Greg Wab and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 29 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan. And I'm Greg. And we're here to tell you all about science. And this is episode 29. And the only really interesting thing I can find about the number 29 is that it's the year of Saturn, if that makes sense. It's the, the length of time... I would have thought Saturn, Saturn had been around longer than that. <laughs> it, just, it just uses a lot of concealer. Actually, it's actually quite a, a, a boring surface, even, even like, compared to Jupiter, which is all like, blah, and full of craziness. But yes, uh, it's, it takes 29 years for Saturn to go around the sun once. 29... Earth years, I should say. Hey, Jupiter's been busy recently. It, uh, well, it's just got been, it in the spot. It's right in the spot. That's one of those things. And it was an amateur astronomer who discovered it. For those who don't realise what we're, we're talking about, something quite large crashed into Jupiter, and there was an amateur astronomer pointing his telescope at it, and he had a, happened to have his video camera running at the same time and captured it and went, professional astronomers, you probably need to look at Jupiter. And Jupiter's like, oh my God, I've been hit in the spot. Yeah, and there's a picture of the a flash, mm. and I'm like, well, that's, a, that's gigantic. Like, that's an Earth-sized yeah. explosion. Mm. And I went, wow, how long would it take for an Earth-sized explosion? That would have been this vivid spark for possibly an hour or something. Mm. Two seconds. Two seconds. Two (laughs) seconds of explosion. Just click. Earth's gone. Click, gone. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things. We don't know how big it is. They're now looking to see if there will there be any marks. And some people say there are, and some people say there aren't. There's big arguments at the moment. Because for those who are old enough to remember, in 1994, there was a comet by the name of Shoemaker-Levy 9, which broke up into many, many, many different pieces and crashed, splattered along the yes, edge of it. And left massive marks all on Jupiter. And it's one of these interesting theories about Jupiter is maybe the reason that we're here as human beings on this planet is because Jupiter sits out there defending us from things that go past. So it sucks it in. It's like the shields in Space Invaders. <laughs> exactly right. But the other, the other theory is that actually Jupiter is a total bastard and it keeps dragging things into the inner solar system. And the fact that we get we lost the dinosaurs and other things was because of Jupiter. We don't really know, do we? Like, but did it, surely... Did it, did it, did it, well, it, it doesn't the absorb... The sun more. would be a large gravitational influence. Well, yes, yes, yes. But things are, things are cruising out in the outer solar system and then Jupiter goes, hi! And it goes, whoop, I'm coming in! And then it zooms past Jupiter. But even then, the, the gravitational field of the sun would be... There's Ooh, lots of... Actually, there's lots I don't of, know about No, that. there's lots of things in orbit around the sun that aren't going towards the sun. As in, we're in orbit around the sun. We're not going towards the sun. Oh, so... Things Jupiter are in orbit. Too close and it just sort of goes, whoa. Whoa, and pulls it and it changes the orbit. Gotcha. That's the thing. Look, I don't know. It's, it's either a great protector or it's a great devastator. Or maybe it's a bit of both. I used to think that if there was an explosion, like if someone lit a match mm. on Jupiter, because it's all hydrogen, yes. that the whole thing would go up in big fireball. And why, but, would, why wouldn't it, Dan? Because you need three things uh, for, uh, for fire to happen. Very good. That's fuel, mm-hmm. a spark, mm-hmm. and oxygen. Oxygen. There's exactly. no oxygen up there. That's right. This, this took me, I actually asked a, an, an astronomer, a professional astronomer this, on Titan, Saturn's moon Titan, who he sent the Huygens probe that landed on, on Titan, and it's got seas of petrochemicals on the hydrocarbons down there, and methane atmosphere, and the rocks are made of ice. It's so cold that, that the ice, it's like water becomes like a rock. And I went, whoa, that's pretty bad. So, you know, but we have to be really careful if we go there. If we land a spaceship on there, then, of course, the jet will ignite the whole thing. And it's 
astronomer went, um, no, you need, you need oxygen. And I knew it. I, this, <laughs> if I said it to anyone else, I wouldn't have mind, but this is a professional astronomer who then gave me that look. Gave ah. me that look of, oh, you're one of them. Oh, you're, you're special. Po- podcast. How nice for you. Yes. That's right. Oh, science podcast. How, how good. Ignorance. Mm, what an interesting word for you. Mm. But it was fine. Uh, we learn. That's right. So you need three things for ignition. So everyone's learning. Maybe you, even you, the listener, are learning. <laughs> Hey, our expo's coming up super soon. It's very, it's coming down on us like an avalanche of science and zombies. 7th of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's 10 o'clock in the morning. It oh, starts at 10 o'clock right. in the morning and we'll go there, until it's finished. There's a page on the website. You should go expose, it's called, or expose. We're going to run around the park. You can buy T-shirts. Will, I'm printing up brand new Smart Enough to Know Better new T-shirts. new T-shirts, which will only be shown on that day. Yep. That's the first day they'll be shown. There's also some CryptoZoo shirts. Ooh, excellent, which have been shown for a there while. There may, I, I haven't confirmed this yet, but there may be some soap, homemade soap, <laughs> in the shape of mogwais from Gremlins. Really? Yeah. yeah. Even I didn't know about this. Yeah. And the great thing is that the more that you use them, like as, as they wear down, inside it's all red soap and it just, and they bleed. <laughs> as they get as you wear the skin off them. I, that's good. Yeah. If you're wondering what we're going to be doing on that day, it'd be just nice to meet our listeners who can make it to Brisbane. That would be lovely to meet you. But we're going to be a zombie hunt. Yeah. Our zombie hunt. So bring your Nerf guns yep. and uh, and bring your sense of adventure. And then we're going to go off and, and do some lawn bowls. Yeah. Because we're old school. <laughs> we're going to go down to the local bowls club. That's we're right. going to pay 10 bucks for like the barbecue and the barefoot bowls Aww. and have some couple of nice drinks. A few bevies. Yes. A few bevies. So please come along, October the 7th. And if you're wondering any information, get on to dan at smartenough.org or greg at smartenough.org or just check the webpage. We'll keep you informed. What can you tell me about this world, Spock? Captain, this is Canis Four. An M-class planet with a single sentient race. Are they dangerous? They should be no match for a Starfleet captain, a Vulcan science officer, and a red-shirted ensign. But I'd urge caution. They are an aggressive race of bipedal dog creatures. Dog creatures? Oh no! Aren't dog creatures colorblind? Yes, Captain. But I fail to understand why that should cause you any... Ah! Mr. Spock! No! Do you remember in our last interview we talked to Emily Lactawalla oh, about, yeah, about yeah. curiosity? And we've had some nice feedback about that. So, yeah, thank she you. was nice. She, and she was a geek, which was awesome. I saw her on Twitter because I bigged her up on, on mentioning Voltron. Cause I was really excited about that when I wrote the tweet about it. And it was vehicular Voltron, oh, not yes. that silly lion Voltron. And uh, I saw later on she'd written a tweet saying, I, d- I didn't think my seven-year-old would believe me uh, when I said that uh, my love of uh, Robotech and Voltron would make me seem cool one day. <laughs> I went, yay! Mm. But the point it is, seemed cool it to is, you. It was, yes. It, now, that's all that matters that's, in my head. Yeah. Now, we were talking about curiosity and the, the rover that's up there. So go back and listen to the interview if you haven't heard it. It's very good. But they've discovered something a little bit naughty on curiosity. They've discovered <gasps> a problem. A rock that looks like a penis. No, no, no. No, not like that. I don't mean that sort of naughty. So we don't infect other worlds with our bacteria. <coughs> so Speaking we don't... Which? <laughs> so we don't infect other worlds with our bacteria or our life form, especially when we're looking for life. We sterilize the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. So mm-hmm. Curiosity is, is sterilized from one end to the other, so we're not hurling microbes at, at other planets. Yep. Unfortunately, there's been an error. They've discovered an error. Uh, Curiosity has these drill bits put onto its arms, and they were preloaded from Earth just in case there's some preloaded drill bits for it to drill into rock 
Someone forgot to sterilise them. Oops. Entirely. Just we, we totally... Te- we were testing them, we tested them on some anthrax, and then we put them in and we forgot to sterilise them. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> not that bad. It says, though, they, that nearly a quarter of a million bacteria estimated to survive the Martian landing, of all curiosity, although they'll probably die off shortly after. But if, if it finds any water ice or water, then if bacteria have a nasty habit of living and living in really bad environments, really deathly environments. In fact, that's what panspermia is all about. Oh, dear. Bacteria. That's... So the chances so of anything coming... we could have really messed up that place. Uh, or, or we could have given it life. I mean, it's... Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's nice, clean, <laughs> simple rock with no jealousy, no war, no dolphins. Are you Dr. Manhattan? Is that what it is? Like, this, does Mars seem any worse because it hasn't got life on it? Thank you, Dr. Put your pants on, Dan, for God's sakes. Uh, I've only half finished painting it blue. <laughs> I just thought it was cold. If I was wondering why Dan wasn't wearing any pants and was painting his crotch blue. It was a riddle. Not unlike... Riddle me this! Look, I'm the penguin. <laughs> we had a lot of interest last time, but the first time and the last time, it was the first time and the last time we did it, not the last time we did it ever, because this is the second time, which means it wasn't the last time, but it was the Wait, last time. Wait, is this the riddle? No, it's not the riddle. Because it's <laughs> a hard one this week. <laughs> we had a lot of interest from Riddle Me This. People said they were really excited to try and work out the riddle of the knight and the dragon fighting over the pools. Yeah. So I thought, well, we're going to bring back Riddle Me This and seeing you must have spent at least seconds making the Batman start of Riddle Me This. Like, well, we get to use it at least twice. So you here's... know, that's what you said when I did the, the CyberZoo one. Yes, you yes. made fun of me because I obviously only put a couple of seconds in. You haven't even listened to how uh, I could have spent hours. I could have <laughs> spent hours. It's possible, man. But here is the riddle. Here is the riddle. You're an advisor to a medieval king. Yes. And the king has come to you and says, "I have been given tribute, and this tribute is in the form of nine." The king's talking to me. You're an advisor to the king. Of course, he's talking to you. Well, yeah, but the castle's a big place. Okay. I, oh, this is a big. This is my moment to shine. This is your moment to shine. All it right. Is, it's your moment to shine. Now I've been given nine pieces. Oh, wait, of, wait, 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 wait. What if I get it wrong? You might cut my head off. Uh, by the way, if you interrupt me again, I will cut your head off. I'm the king. Please stop. Genuflecting, just stand there. I've been given tribute. I'm sorry, my leash. I will totally cut off your nose. You don't need that to think. Or your blue dangly bits. I will cut those off as well. Now, I've been given nine pieces of gold as tribute. All of them the same size. All of them a coin of gold. All of them the same. They look the same. But I have been given some information that I have been stiffed. <laughs> Medievally stiffed. Oh, dear. And one of these coins is actually made up of iron pyrites and is slightly, only slightly, lighter than the gold and isn't worth anything at all. I refuse to be tricked, advisor. So you must use this scale to work out which one of these coins is lighter. You will only get the minimum number of times. In fact, I will give you a whole hundred florins divided by the number of times that you use the scale. So if you use it ten times, you'll only get ten florins. If you, and if you can work it out in one, you can get, get like more. Get more hundred no, florins. It's very confusing. Yeah. The, 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 there should be a lot. I'm going to do up a logarithmic scale to explain <laughs> how much but the point work is, I should put in. That's right. What, to the, minimize the, the amount. The point here of, is there are nine coins. Yep. 
And one of them is slightly, you can't measure it in your hand. You won't be able to feel the difference, but mm-hmm. a scale, one of the old style scales, yep. as in you put something on one side and you put something on the other side and you measure them out together. Yep. That's the sort of scale you have. How many measurements of weight would you have to do to categorically say which one was the slightly lighter coin? Oh, okay. Out of nine. Well, I'm going to ponder this. For about the length of time of a duration of a podcast. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to need that much time because my friend Greg put this to me a couple of weeks ago and I did very well on it. You actually did, Dan. I was very excited. I gave this one to listeners to Dan because it was our first idea of maybe we should do Riddle Me This. And I threw it out there and Dan worked it out in shorter time than it's taking me to explain how short a time Dan took to work mm. it out. So if you haven't got it yet... <laughs> You're not as smart as me. It was pretty impressive to watch, yes. You've got some time to think about it. So think about it. So nine coins, eight of them the same weight, one of them slightly less. You have a medieval scale. What's the minimum, minimum number of weighings you have to do to categorically prove which one is actually lighter? We'll get back to that answer at the end of the podcast. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been four weeks since my last confessional. And how have you sinned, child? I have had lustful thoughts. This is very common. No, father, but my lustful thoughts, they are for the Virgin Mary. What? It's true. I I, I can't keep my mind off her. I'm infatuated. This is most... uh, Her graceful neck, her untouched virginal skin. Yes, yes, I understand. No need to continue. What can I do? Well, try to avoid dwelling on the target of your affection. Remove yourself from situations where you'll be reminded of it. Thank you, Father. And for your penance, do one Our Father and ten Hail... Yes? Oh. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus... Holy Mary, Mother of God! You have a little bit of a pet interest, some might say, in space. Space! Now, where is space, exactly? Well, oh, goodness me. That's a very weird question to ask, because some people say it's at like 16 kilometres up, and some people say it's further than that, like 100 kilometres up. It all depends on what you declare the density of the atmosphere to have to get oh, lower than uh, before that's considered space. Gotcha. So some people say the International Space Station so is actually like still a shell. flying. Pardon? There's not like a shell well, no, across, no. The top, across the top <laughs> of the atmosphere. No, because the International Space Station, it's flying in what we, most people would consider space. If you jumped out into the into, from the International Space Station, you, you, your blood would boil. It would be bad news for you. You'd but it still is ploughing through enough atmosphere that it has to have its altitude corrected. So it has to do burns to lift it back into space. It, ah. it, it's dropping down because it hits in the atmosphere. Now, that's interesting to me. That means if we don't keep sending rockets up there to refuel it, the damn thing will fall out of the sky. Yeah, that's not good. No, it's not good. But it's actually very so low. it's not in orbit. Yes, it is in orbit. Things can be in orbit even in the atmosphere. Ah, but it's slowing down. It is slowing down, and, and, and okay, it, it, it's that's spiraling what knocks in. It out of orbit. Yes, that's okay. right. That's a really good point you just made. Then anything can be in orbit. It doesn't have to be in the atmosphere. Newton, yeah. Newton's first thoughts about all this, he talked about how you could fire a cannon. And if you fired yeah. a cannon at, at, on the top of Mount Everest and you fired it fast enough, it would go into orbit. You could technically throw a ball. Um, 
fast enough and it would go into orbit. It doesn't have to be in space. You can't fire a spaceship into orbit, though, with a gun. A cannon. I don't see... No, you can't can't. do it. Why not? You can't. You can't sit on Earth and then fire a spaceship up into orbit because it will follow a parabolic curve in relation to the gravity of the Earth. And so it will always come back and hit <laughs> and hit the same spot on earth <laughs> yes i see uh, so well, it, you'd have to lower you'd have to you'd have to raise up a platform fire yes. the spaceship then lower then the platform and then, <laughs> yes you're, yeah i see what you're saying there once it goes into orbit yeah. so, it'll strike the same point yeah, so you've got to get above the atmosphere <laughs> so it doesn't slow it down yes and then fire it mm. and then it could be in orbit if it went fast enough that means that if you want something to go into orbit, it has to correct once it gets up there yes I've... it has to correct its course so that it's not going to Fall, so it's not going to go so right the, out and so then come the, back the, and the, the smack distance, back the into distance Earth. It goes, the distance it drops down is exactly the same distance as the curve of the Earth. Yeah. That's what an orbit is. Yeah. yeah, no, okay, I can see what you're saying there. Okay, sure. But that's not what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, we just... Tangent! I, tangent! I, I did discover that while I was <laughs> researching. Animals in space! <laughs> oh, cute! Do you know what the first animal into space was? Was it a... Uh, was it a dog? No. Oh. It was not a dog. Oh. Fruit flies. Really? Fruit flies. I know that. It was sent up on a, on oh. a V2 rocket. Oh, I see. Uh, Thank you, Nazis. <laughs> oh, goodness. Why did they say that? But a dog did go up mm-hmm. quite quickly. Leica. Leica. Leica, no. That was no, the, no, no. That wasn't the first one? No, no, no. That Ooh. was the third dog in space. Oh. Which surprised the hell out of yeah, me. It surprises me too. Yes, yeah. there you go. The second animal into space mm. was a monkey. Oh. Which went up on a V2 rocket. <laughs> I'm uh, sure we then, didn't survive. Uh, well, No. <laughs> No, and oh. that and that that starts us on a, a long story uh-huh. of a monkey I like to call Albert oh. because that's what he was called. Oh. Now Albert one didn't make it into space. Albert one, uh, <laughs> this doesn't bode well no. for the Alberts. No, no. <laughs> Albert one did not make it into space, uh-huh. but he did make it into monkey heaven. Oh, he didn't go up far enough, oh. and then he came down fast enough. Mm. Albert two was on a V two rocket. Got mm-hmm. into space, yes, and I believe asphyxiated, uh, as space will do. Yes, space yes. will do that. Then the Russians sent up two dogs, yay, Saigon and Desk. Damn you, autocorrect. <laughs> desk, some other Russian name. Desk, good old Desk and Chair. You just edit that in. Just dump, just put in the put in the word now. The name of the dog is Desik. Light Laker was went up on Sputnik two. Mm-hmm. First dog in orbit. Oh, I see. That's what it is. Yeah. Ah. So a bunch of animals went up into space before they went into orbit. Mm, mm. And then after that, there were 10 other dogs that went up into space. Can I just point out, just for the pedants in our audience, we should really say the animals sent in space by humans. What? Why? Well, because not that they're particularly animals, I must admit, but first living things, but because there's a whole concept we think we found evidence of microbes from Mars. Okay, those are not Mito- animals. Well, they're still living things. I'm just, hey, just, sure, they're living things. They're, I'm not talking about plants. They're, they're micro animals. <laughs> That's they're, not they're, how this works. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But, but you bring up a good point. Mm. A big volcano or the moon hitting the planet or something could have <laughs> tossed up some lizards yes. or something That's in space. Right. Maybe. Maybe bits of dinosaur got blasted into space. That, that Really, though? Was anything strong enough to bl- blast stuff into space? Oh, all the time, yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. suppose that... Yes. Yeah, the, oh, the Yucatan Peninsula. Yes. Oh, yes, pen- yes. The Yucatan Peninsula, that yes. would have tossed a the, fair the, bit of the, stuff the, into yeah, the end of Yeah, the end of the dinosaurs, that impact was huge. It was, was a world-altering event. Yeah, definitely would have. Definitely, definitely. In fact, it would have thrown megatons of material into space. 
Yeah. Uh, just endless amounts of... of no, it's not all right. Endless. Yeah. Oh, I'm all, okay. So man putting... Okay, good, good. We're wading through the pedantry to find the truth. Yes. That's how science learns. <laughs> now, there were some mice sent up into space. Oh, by Douglas Adams. <laughs> there were some squirrel monkeys, oh. uh, a cynomolgus monkey, some rhesus monkeys. There was Yorick, also c- called Albert Six, <laughs> along with 11 mouse crewmates, became the first animals to survive rocket flight. Hooray! 1951. Then they landed in the desert, and the door didn't open, and they died of overheating. Oh! Um, <laughs> Abel was a rhesus monkey who was the first to survive the entire thing. Was he hit by a bus? Well, they had to remove... They, he had electrodes mm. to study him, and he died undergoing surgery to remove <laughs> one of the electrodes. <laughs> um, there were some mice that went up, mm. but the, the, the cage had sharp edges on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Oh. They, they knew that the sharp edges on the cage would be a problem. And so they painted it with, like, this thick black paint called Krylon paint. Oh, good. Unfortunately, they preferred the Krylon paint to the formula, <laughs> the mouse formula that they were given, <laughs> and they ate the paint instead and overdosed. Oh, nice. There was a pig-tailed McCoy. McCoy? McCoy? Monkey? Macaque? Macaque? Macaque. Macaque. I think it's Macaque. Okay. Spiders? Mm-hmm. Been into space? Good. Spiders went into that one that exploded on re-entry. The, um... The Challenger? Cha- no, no. On re-entry. The, um... Which, which one? The, the other one. No, no, no. We had Columbia in this channel. Columbia. That's the oh, one. Oh, okay, right. Yes, Columbia had oh, spiders on board. Yes. Oh, okay, yes, yes. As part of the experiments. Mm. And now, if I remember correctly, the webs that these spiders made were slightly thinner, mm. is what they discovered. So spiders did not care about living in, in no. zero G. No, that so was that's, fine. That's great. That's what we need. Um, spiders are just already terrifying buggers of things anyway. We don't really need them going into space. No. I saw in Tintin, the one about the island of Mysterious. Yes. Mysterious island. The, in that, they talk about, the great spider is coming! The great spider is coming! And Tintin looked through the telescope and saw a giant spider uh, on the head of the comet. I know this is going. And then, and then he discovered the spider. With, or spoilers, spoilers for Tintin. It was, it was actually on the lens. Yeah. And that, as a kid, that was really exciting. And now that I own a telescope, it's total rubbish! You can't see what's on the lens. Your focal length, it's no. all wrong! You can't see... You, you can run your hand in front of the telescope and it makes jack crap. It lowers a little bit of your light. If you do it, you know, if you put it right in front, yes. But, so this is your justification <sighs> for screaming like a girl when you did see a giant space spider. Well, yeah, it's, when, when did I do that? He must have blocked it out. <laughs> what else has been in space? Turtles? Oh. Have been in space? Yeah, they were, um, Jerry Pratchett sent those up. Yeah. It's, it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> Wine flies? Wine flies. Mealworms? <laughs> jellyfish? <laughs> Amoeba. We're just throwing crap up there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, who are you? Uh, right. Tortoises. Animals that annoyed the president of the United States of America. <laughs> Tortoises, rats, insects, quail eggs, fish, and tadpoles. Oh. Now, the funny thing with fish and tadpoles is that they've got no frame of reference to swim straight. Mm. They obviously use gravity as the up. Right. And so they swim in figure eights because they get confused. Oh, they have no idea where they're going. Yeah. Oh, poor things. Newts, frogs, ants, earthworms... <laughs> There's a menagerie up there. Well, bits of a menagerie. Uh, a tortoise. Oh, and this is my favourite. A cat. Oh. The French sent a cat up. Yes, of course they did. We're going to link a video that, the, the cat of the cat in going, space. I, I, oh. I have, ne- I have oh. not seen anything as funny oh. since... If you've ever seen that footage of a cat going into the automatic pet washer... <laughs> oh, jeez, I just watched that once a week. That... <laughs> 
I'm, I know I'm the, sick. The video of the cat trying to work out which way is down is quite hilarious. Because the cat said, I will just move my body down. Which way is down? Which way is down? Which way is down? Which way is down? Suddenly, uh, 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 who's, who's the ruling animal now, cats? While there have been a bunch of animals that have gone into space, mm-hmm. only two have ever gone to the moon. <gasps> wow. Uh, humans. Humans. Humans have been, have been gone to the moon. Uh, you mean like landed on the moon? Landed on the moon. I have no idea what the second one would be. What are we taking to the moon? Have you ever heard of something called a demodex? I, I, don't I take that when my stomach is hurting really badly? What's a demodex, Dan? A demodex is a teeny, 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 tiny bug Ooh. that lives Uh-oh. in your eyelashes. Oh! You do know what a demodex is. I do know what a demodex is, yes! Yes. Oh, there you go. So right, and they 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 don't have bums, and they um they fill up with poo, and then they die. It is a mite. <laughs> it is a mite. A mite. So it's got eight legs. I assume we've taken quite a bit of flora and fauna up then, because our bodies, like in my body, there's at least two or three kilograms of flora there's and fauna. Plenty of stuff in there. There's yes. all sorts of, of biology in there, mm. bacteria mm. and such. And- but only one parasite that we are pretty sure would have been on any of the astronauts. Oh. 80% of people on planet Earth have Demodex crawling around in their eyelashes. They're making love on your face right now. Yeah. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Feeling itchy. Now, there are a bunch of other parasites, mm. but generally astronauts are pretty clean. <laughs> I get the feeling that they have to be sterilised quite considerably. You don't want them sort of carrying weird things. They would have had all sorts of chemical purging and terrifying things put on them. They would have at least checked that they didn't have tapeworm. Yeah, Let's just right. say that. That's right. You're, Neil, you're looking very skinny. <laughs> but alas, out of that entire list, no pigs in space. Oh, not yet. We can have dream, Dan. We can dream. Can we yell the old Muppets thing together? Ready? One, two, three. Pigs! Waka, waka. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait. Sorry, no. what? No, no, that's the bear. Oh, now this is an interesting one. This is from a listener called Steve. Mm-hmm. Now, nepotism alert. I am in some ways related to my brother. Um, <laughs> but he still asks a very pertinent question. He does. What are you doing in my room? When will you give back my 20 bucks? That's my wife, you bastard. That sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I have a key. So it's like an invitation to come into this room at night. <laughs> At any rate, he asked the question, where does heartache come from? Why does it feel like it's in the chest? Because when we're mm. sad, mm. It's, mm. it's our brain doing all the sad stuff. It's yes. all chemicals in the brain. That's where the emotions are happening. Now, I, had a, I saw that on the, on the forum. It was a good question. I didn't answer it because I was actually going to bring it up in the podcast. Uh, so well done, Dan. But I have a problem with that question. That, to me, is a very modern version of love, as in heartache in love and, and in the heart, because it wasn't originally. Back in the Roman times, it was the stomach was the seat of emotion. You felt things in your stomach. Uh-huh. So I'm pretty certain that Roman steam, the Steve, Stevius, would have said, oh, I love her so much. She hates me and my stomach hurts. It's only because my guess, only my guess, mm-hmm. is that he feels it in his heart because he thinks he should feel it in his heart. Ah. And if he was Roman, he would feel it in his stomach. That was always my take on that. Or his nose. Or his Romans nose. have a lot of... They did have, it's like you'd ski off it. I had a bit of a Roman nose thing going on. It's Roman all over my face. Uh, is that the old joke? That's the know. joke. That's the joke. Um, well done, Dan. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm here all week. Well, one thing is emotional pain mm. and physical pain. The brain can't tell the difference. 
most of the time. Brain. The brain cannot figure it out. <laughs> so That's, That makes sense to me, because let's face it, it this is going to be a little bit matrixy here, but your brain has no idea what it's experiencing. We know nowadays that things are outside of our body, and, and that's our, our theory, or we, we theorize this. Like the soul? Like the, no, no, no. Let's no, talk no, about the fine. world around us. And, yes. and so we say things are outside us, but because we have consciousness and we can sort of work these things out, and we, but we can't prove it. But we, there are, there are, you know, I think therefore I am, and there's other sort of amazing sort of thoughts that can lead us down this path. But your brain, when it was evolving, had no concept that it was anything outside of it. It was just getting in, inputs and putting out outputs so it doesn't surprise me that the brain can't tell the difference between the stuff that's hurting it inside and the giant fish that's eating its fins that to me that makes sense Mm. well the university of michigan showed that people had similar brain activity when they viewed a photo of their former love Mm. and when they had heat applied to them (laughs) like extreme heat oh okay like the same part of the brain lights up the brain just goes oh that's fine so staying on stream heat and and love and it, and it, harder and and missing an ex girlfriend. Oh, missing an ex girlfriend. Right, I understand. Gotcha. Now, could that also be uh, to, to make this a biochemical thing? It was when we talked to Dr. Greg Watson way 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 back about two years ago. I'm talking about oxytocin, oxytocin. So oxytocin. Why is it oxytocin? Oxytocin. Because I, I hate love. Oxytocin and. That makes physical reactions in the body. This is the whole thing. It's the love chemical in your, in your brain. Now, that makes you flush and become warm. Once again, your body's going to think, oh, every time that person's around, I've got flushed and felt warm. That's the sensation, physical sensation. Mm-hmm. Once again, a, a thought led to a physical reaction. It doesn't surprise me that when you then see that same person again, your body sends up, goes, that's that person, and you send out a signal, but your conscious mind goes, who I can no longer touch. And you go, oh. Yeah, well, a lot of the things that your body tells you to do when you find someone that you love mm. are the same things that it does when you lose someone who you love. Mm. And, and it's only your consciousness that decodes and tries to figure out what it's feeling. Yes. It goes, oh, I've got this feeling inside my chest. Mm. And I've met someone new. Oh, I must be falling in love. Mm. And they're wonderful. Almost the same feeling happening in there. Heart going faster, digestive system acting up. Yes. When they've gone, you go, oh, God, I miss them so much. Mm. But Mm. there's an even better reason, which I'll get to in a moment. Mm. At the University in California, they did a study, and it indicated that a variation of the mu-opioid receptor gene, OPRM1, often associated with physical pain, is related to how much social pain a person feels in response to social rejection. (laughs) So some people are pre-wired to feel physical pain when they are rejected in any way socially. So when a writer says, her rejection hit me like a physical blow, that's actually quite true. To some people. To some people, yes. Mm. Not like me. I'm a stony-hearted bastard. Which is really weird. Um, It's interesting. The feelings of rejection actually light up the fight-or-flight response. Doesn't everything? In a human... Oh, yeah. (laughs) But but what happens is your your digestive system alters, your body's hormone system goes nuts, Mm -hmm. and your heart gets flooded with adrenaline. Can I just put in here what you just said then? You said fight or flight. But there there is a third F that sometimes gets the flight, fight, or fornicate reaction. We always talk about fight and flight, but... There is actually a third one, flight, fight. But, but how does that help you avoid danger? It's not all about avoiding danger, but it's these three very important things. So, so there are things that we run away from, so you're, things we beat up and dominate, and things we try and have sex with. Well, I thought it was always, if you're attacked by a tiger, you either fly from it yes. or you fight it. Yeah, you're not going to try and have sex with avoid. the tiger. Well, That's right. it, that might scare it off. <laughs> and some people do. Some people have their brains weirdly wired, and what, what might just look like a bowl of milk to you, you become sexually attracted to. It happens. I think that you're talking... I had that happen to me with human females. <laughs> Only 
once. But I think you need to pull back slightly and look at it from, don't just say a tiger. It just has to be stimulus. Yeah. What can I do with stimulus? I can run from it. I can run towards it and dominate it and make it, make it mine. Or I can fornicate with it. I can make more of me with it. That, that, that does seem, what, what other stimulus could there be? You're either going to get away from it, you're going to get it, or you're going to, you're going to have sex with it. That they're, the, they're the three basic kind of animal needs. Mm. Once again, it's just another theory. It's not just fight or flight. But at any rate, mm. so that would explain why you feel these, the sickness in your stomach, mm. the, the Roman thing, and the heart gets flooded with adrenaline. But if your heart gets flooded with lots of adrenaline, mm. that's very bad for it, especially if it lasts for a long time. Mm. Mm. And if you, say, lose a loved one, then your body is trying to pump heaps of adrenaline into it. And the heart actually has a mechanism to stop that. You've heard of dying of a broken heart. It can literally happen. Really? And it happens mostly to women. It's called Takotsubu cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. Goodness me. You are 21 times more likely to die of a heart attack Mm. the day after a loved one dies. Really? Wow. Yeah. Because you're stressed, horrendously stressed. No, there's something more. What happens Mm. is the heart undergoes this thing where the heart has four valves. Mm -hmm. looks like a, I don't know. A really small tic-tac-toe board. <laughs> yeah. A two-by-two. Two. Sure. Yeah. From sure. the front, it's got four valves, two across the top and two across the bottom. Right. The bottom two... Chest res- for dummies. ...restrict in mm. and make the whole heart look like a balloon. It's shutting down two of the ventricles. It's Yes. It, right. It's not shutting them down, but it's restricting, restricting them, so it can't pump flow. too much adrenaline through. Ah, it's trying to defend itself. Yes. Ah, I see what you're saying there. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh, smart heart. When your partner leaves you, do you know what your heart does? Do you know what your body does to you when your partner leaves you? What's that? It ups the dopamine and makes you love them more. Makes... It makes you work harder to keep them. Yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. But it's fucked. <laughs> it is no, it's just only, no, 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 it's, it's bad on it's bad on a human level now. That's it's, the only level it, I exist on. Yeah, but you got to remember where we came from. So you're in the savannah and you're sitting there and you, you're scratching your monkey bits, or your eight bits, and you're doing your thing and you're eating your banana. That's what I call them. Yeah, my eight bits, my eight bits, my, and gorilla, my banana, my gorilla balls. And suddenly your lady ape just goes, "Oh, he's much nicer over there. I'm going to go and go go with his band of no goods." And she bundles off because you're nothing. And then and then you just start writing shitty poetry yeah, and I hope that you get it back no, no, and you, texting her in the no, middle no, no, of the night. No, 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 but that's now. But back then, what you do is you have suddenly a lot of adrenaline and you go and kick the crap out of the other ape that took her away from you and you become the king or you die. So either way, your problem is solved. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it makes sense evolutionary. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense now, of course. It hurts us now. So you have just have to be a cold, calculating human. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. Stop oh. caring, Dan. Leave the caring to experts. <laughs> But you know how long it is, though? It's not, it's not a short period of time. It's a year. Oh, my goodness. A year. Stress. They've done with um, giving someone a, like a, a million-dollar windfall or you know, shooting their spouse kind of thing. Both of them are very good and very bad, which we've talked about in the podcast yep. before. It's about a year. It takes a year to go right back to your base level, no matter if it was really, really good or really, really bad. So that's why people have a long time. People go, get over it. Sorry, biochemically, you're just not. Uh, and also, it doesn't help that the brain is really, really good at remembering what makes it feel good. Mm. So it's just, it's a habit. Being touched by another ape. Welcome back to the footy show. It's been a hell of a week for footy. Some of the best games I've seen all season. But it all means nothing when compared to what's coming up next week. Take, for example, the Eagles v. the Reds. The Reds are pipped to win, but I wouldn't write off the Eagles yet. What's your take on this, Al? 
The eagle, he clasped the crag with crooked hands, Close to the sun in lonely lands, Ringed with the azure world, he stands. The wrinkled sea beneath him crawls, He watches from his mountain walls, And like a thunderbolt, he falls. Uh, right. I think what Al means is that those crooked hands are just right for holding the footy. But if they only watch from their mountain walls and not actually get their head in the game, then they are sure to lose. Another game worth watching is the Bombers v the Tigers. The Tigers are sure to romp home in this game. Al, your thoughts? Tiger, Tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Seriously, Al? You okay? I doesn't even rhyme with symmetry. Oh, boy. What Al is asking is who framed the fearful symmetry of the Tigers' season plan? Was it Coach Manning and their roustabout manager, Colin Smirkin? I think you'll find it's William Blake. Shut up, Al! Welcome to the Walk of Shame. Yay! We had a bunch to get through. We have a so backlog. much. We have, oh dear, we just forgot to do some in the last one and some in the one before that. No, oh, here it comes. Oh, Science yeah. coming down the pipe. Now, we discussed that there are seven flags planted on the moon, mm-hmm. I think. Yes, we did, yes. But uh, not true, is it? Well, they're on the moon, but some of them are more on the moon than the others. <laughs> some are so. in the moon, some of them are on the moon. Yeah, so mm. one probably fell over? Yes, well, uh, it, was, it, was think... plant, it was planted too close to the ascent module of Apollo 11. and therefore... Was that the first one? Yeah, it was the first one. Okay, so and... Buzz Aldrin actually said, I saw it fall over as we lifted off. I think there's no video of it. Right, we're not yes. sure. Yes, but if you wanna if you wanna say to Buzz that he's wrong, he'll probably deck you. <laughs> he's done it before. Well done, Buzz Aldrin, for that one. Awesome dude. One of them Do you probably, want to explain that one. One of them probably felt. Oh, well, that was because uh, I only saw the video for the first time. Oh, ah, it's an awesome video. It makes me smile every time I see it. There is a, I can't remember his name. And why should I give the idiot oxygen? There's a conspiracy lunatic douchebag. Yes, who believes? He was even polite about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was confr- confrontational yeah, and he was rude with it too. This is why I, I'm not saying he should go and punch people in the face. Anyway, he was a. Um, a, a moon landing denialist. He was a conspiracy nut, and that's your right. Okay, you, you can you can think whatever you like, and no one's going to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> but you are. There's too much evidence. I think we can put a bloody telescope on it now and look at the tracks the moon rovers later on put on. Them. We know we've been to the moon. Are you like, sure though that they didn't just paint footprints yes, on yes, the lens? Yes, I will punch you in the face, Buzz Aldrin. I will go totally buzz on you. Now <laughs> that's that's your right. And if you want to moon sit, spider, <laughs> if you if you want to sit in your basement and write stupid conspiracies, that's your right. If you go up to the second human being on the moon and he was a 70 or so year old man and you go up to him and you watch this video and this total prick says to Buzz Aldrin you don't have to like Buzz Aldrin fine but you don't go up to an old man and say why do you lie and why are you a coward I'd also deck you. I mean, he went up to it, and then Buzz Aldrin... Yeah, and I didn't even go to the moon. And Buzz, Buzz Aldrin hauls off and punches him. For a man in his 70s, he gives him a damn good punch on the snoot. And screw 70s for any man. The a, snoot. And right in the snoot. Well, he is a 70-year-old man. He doesn't <laughs> aim for anywhere but the snoot. He has to aim for the snoot. So it was, it was the way you said it. If you went up and said, I don't believe you went to the moon, Buzz Aldrin would go... That's fine. Get out of my way. If you call an old man an a coward, astronaut. an astronaut, a hero of the American people and I think of the world, that he didn't go and just annoys me, and you call him a coward and a liar, you deserve to get punched in the face. Quite frankly, if 
they hadn't gone to the moon mm. and had just faked it, but had managed to keep this under wraps for 60 years or whatever. <laughs> yes. That's... That, that, that's still a very brave thing to do. You're not a coward. Like, that's no, an amazing job. Of go- that's, that's, right. that's probably more of an achievement. Yes. Is to, ki- is to keep that not, under wraps. No, it's not. It's more of an achievement. No, it's not. To lie to the world about a gigantic <laughs> thing like no, not going to the no, world. No, it's not. It's not another achievement. Stop no, that. it's harder. It's, oh, goodness. Like, it didn't it, happen. We're not going down this path. No, anyway. But, it, but what I'm saying is it's like a hundred <laughs> times harder to fake the moon landing. I don't than think to it is. Get there in I the don't think it is. I think it would be much easier to fake the moon landing. But to keep it under wraps? That, that would be long? that would be hard, yes. That's what I'm saying. It okay. would be near impossible. Right. It will, so maybe true. we went there. <laughs> We're on the same side here. Shut up, Dad. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> Jiminy Chillikers. Punch you on the snoot. I had to make a very serious correction. When we were talking about the gravitational potential energy mm-hmm. and we had a, t- a speaker from CheapAstro.com, the podcast, I said that her name was Jane. It's not, it's Julia. And I deeply and humbly <laughs> apologise for that. It's nothing... I called her Steve and I didn't get picked up no, no, at all. You, you're an idiot, Dan, so no. <laughs> now, you said that the LEM mm-hmm. on the Apollo 11 was the Falcon, but the Falcon didn't get on until... a. Apollo 15. Oh, I know. The eagle has landed. I, I know that one. That was one of those dumb things. <sighs> and then later on, uh, you said that Curiosity rover yes. that went through the atmosphere, yes. that that was, uh, you called it the seven minutes of hell, yes. and of course it's the seven, seven minutes, minutes of passion. <laughs> That's, That's when you get in a cupboard. It's, you get in a That's cupboard, you, you get and the you cupboard. hope to God that seven years of research on this robot doesn't impact a, well, on the you, face you of get another into a planet. Cu- you get into a cupboard, and you hope that the giant truck-sized robot likes you. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, it was seven minutes of terror, I do believe. Also, I made a mistake because <gasps> I was saying that the, the laminate that they put on the inside of tins, mm-hmm. that when you heat it up, it releases bisphenol A. Oh, that's right, yes. Turns out fairly pseudoscience In fact, the link <gasps> oh, that no. I linked to on the website oh. actually points out that a nine-month-old baby weighing nine kilos would have to eat more than one kilo of canned baby custard containing BPA every day to reach the tolerable daily intake <laughs> assuming that the custom contained the highest level of BPA found. So, look, so, you know what? To... You can cook your beans yes. in the can on the fire. It's fine. As long as you're not a, a nine-kilo baby. <laughs> as Dr. Carl once said, everything's giving you cancer. People know I like space. <laughs> you, you don't let people get away with not knowing that. Yeah, that's right. That's, it's, I've seen him bail up people on the street. Right, yeah. and like go, Have you looked up? <laughs> Check out that. People also know that, that I get annoyed when people say, oh, that NASA's a little bit over-budgeted. We should probably cut that bastard back to something a bit more bloody manageable. And then suddenly hear me screaming and hurling things because mm-hmm. it's rubbish. And we've talked about this before. In we the could podcast. have bought a sixth of a B-12 bomber that, for that. Well, yes. And, and we, as I said before in the past, this statistic always freaks me out. The entire NASA budget is equal to the air conditioning budget of the American military in Afghanistan and Iraq. So that's just the air conditioning. I'm not saying soldiers should go hot, but NASA is also very important too. Well, hot soldiers probably couldn't do a very good job. Well, especially... You want to have something to come back to. Well, yes. What? Imagine if you were just stuck in a tent and it's like 49... I've been in the heat in Abu Dhabi when it was 49 degrees and it was awful. Yes, I wanted someone to shoot me. That is not how you want (laughs) your soldiers to be. You want your soldiers to be like, let's kill all of these terrorists or mercenaries, enemy combatants. combatants. There you go. Get back to that nice, cool tent, ASAP. Right, yes. What's happening on Mars? Don't care. I just want to... 
point out, this was in the Popular Science magazine, Australian Popular Science magazine. It was sent to me to have a look at. And, of course, it's going to get me really, really angry. And it's talking about the Hubble telescope. Now, the Hubble telescope is an amazing bit of scientific kit. It allowed us to look further than we've looked before, which means we're looking back in time. Mm -hmm. The light takes time to get us. It's an amazing device. It's only going to be funded, as far as I'm aware, up to 2014. Mm -hmm. Anti-spider screen on the end. (laughs) That's true. Bug spray and the windscreen wipers. And it's going to be replaced, hopefully, by the James Webb telescope. And that's much, much, much bigger and it will go online in a couple of years. Now, the James Webb is worth $8 billion. Just to give you an idea, it's an $8 billion project, and it will be much nicer and much better and be a much more intricate instrument than the Hubble. The Hubble's been absolutely incredible. And people go, oh, that's a lot of money to spend, $8 billion for the James Webb telescope. Until this is pointed out, that the American military actually has 18 spy satellites in orbit, and they're called the KH-11 spy satellites, and they are almost the same specifications as the Hubble. They're oh, eight, wow. There are 18 Hubble telescopes pointing at the planet, one pointing the other direction. Each one yeah, of yeah, the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the planet, there are lots of very dangerous human beings who can kill us. There's nothing in space that can kill us, Greg. <laughs> yeah, obviously so. We don't have to worry about anything out there. Each one of these KH-11 is worth $4.2 billion. Wow. That's a lot of money. And what's even more annoying than this, according to this article, uh, the military has gone, oh, we've got 18 up there, we've got two mothballed, we're going to give those to NASA. They're just handing over two Hubble telescopes to NASA. Oh, they don't need to the, send a new one up then, do they? No, 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 the James Webb will be much better. Just, you don't need double. That's but not, what are they going the to use? They're just going to take pretty pictures of uh, the horsehead uh, nebula again. I will again. cut you. I will paint you blue and cut you. The, the, <laughs> other, the other point is when they looked at these things and said they aren't, I'm reading directly from the article here, they aren't completely ready to launch satellites, but the expensive optical guts are there. Each has a 2.4 metre primary mirror, same as Hubble's, but with a wider field of view and as a bonus, a stereo second mirror. These are superior telescopes to the Hubble. Now, people quibbled over the Hubble. Oh, these are the military ones. These are the military ones. And the two that have been given to NASA. Now, NASA's gone, wow, thank you very much, but we have no budget to put these damn things in the air or into space. We've Wait, two so they've ta- given them two satellites on the ground. Two of them but, have been handed over to NASA. Oh, I thought that they were just finished using the no, ones up there. And went, no, 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 there's still 18 those. of them up there. No, and what's even worse... Oh, God. And, and so all these things, and NASA's gone, wow, we really could have used it. As they pointed out, each one of these KH-11 spy satellites cost as much as a Nimitz-class nuclear aircraft carrier. Oh, my goodness. That's, a, that's those big ships that are floating islands of destruction that come barreling in. Basically, they command an entire ocean. Go, we own this whole thing now. They, they have Australian eight... battleships sit behind it and go, yeah, yeah, us too. Our big friend here is scary. But this is, just freaks me out. Forget there's 18 up there. We've been given two. That's a good thing. But we have to start thinking, well, maybe... Instead of building two extras, maybe that money could have gone to NASA. Um, Because people were saying, I remember when Curiosity was going to touch down or not, they were saying if Curiosity crash lands and burns and and $2 billion is wasted, that might be the end of probe drone research for a while or rover research because who would, we can't possibly waste $2 billion. Well, actually we can. We can waste $8 billion on two satellites we're not using. It's it's just the crazy thing about all this is that we, we complain about NASA's budget, or people complain about NASA's budget, which is tiny compared to the military budget, which is stupidly ginormous. Mm-hmm. Yes, defense is important, don't get me wrong, but there has to be a slight change in where we're spending our money. Honestly, it, it just wigs me out. And just before, when we finish up here, this... Um, <sighs> There's I, another... I, I, listeners, I didn't even make a move to talk. <laughs> he just said He's something. He's like, uh, I, you shut up, yeah. <laughs> stay there, because I'm 
Incense. <laughs> and it Let gets, me tell you, James. It gets worse, because people mentioned, well, James Webb's worth $8 billion, Greg. That's much more than 4.2. So you've got your filthy satellite. Now, bugger off. Yes, we do have our James Webb. Well, we nearly didn't, because it was almost... 75% bill that it was almost funding was cut off, almost, by the, by the American government, because they went, oh, it's a bit expensive, we have to cut back. They're like, screw you, build the bloody thing! And they did. But now it's been discovered that there is a, the new iteration of the KH-11, the new satellite, I don't think it's called KH-11, but the new version of the spy satellite is worth $12 billion. <sighs> And they're going to build more than one. We don't know how many, but they're going to build more than one. It's called Codename Misty, and it boasts stealth technology, rendering it invisible to both radar and casual naked eye observers, and also other advanced capabilities which are not allowed to be written down. All right. Something is very wrong, very, very, very wrong with the world when you start looking at $12 billion satellites to stare at the planet, and we're going to have more than one, and we're not even going to have one of those pointing out. It will be better than the James Webb, but it might not be set up to point, you know, James Webb. Can't they do timeshare? I, I, I wish. Just, just... I wish... I wish that would be so good. What you do, what you do is you just you make two of them because making two of them is much less expensive than making two <laughs> individual ones. Yes, yes. You make two of them, you stick them on opposite sides of the Earth, and they spit and they 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 constantly point at the thing you want to look at in the galaxy. Yes. But from the other side of the planet. So they, no, yeah, they, <laughs> I see what you're they both constantly look at the other thing yes. in, the, in the galaxy and the Earth's between them. Yes. Yes. No, they both they look at each other. <laughs> And then, but one of them, they're always looking over each other's shoulder, right. looking out at the galaxy, and they just, and they keep spinning, I see. pointing well, in the same direction. And so both of them are looking at the planet yes. as they sweep past. I see. So the scientists are going, ah, oh, nice clear view of space. Ah, oh, that planet's in the road. The military are going, hey, look, finally we can look at the planet. Oh my God, a giant spider! So, how did you go, listeners? Did you figure out the riddle? We can't hear them. So we have to assume that some of our sexy listeners did and some yeah. of them did not. So remember, it was nine coins. Nine coins. Nine coins. One set of scales. And one of them is slightly, slightly lighter. You can't feel it in your hand, but Indeed. it's slightly lighter. So, Dan, can you answer what is the smallest number of weighings you would have to do? I'm going to say when I was told this by uh, Tom Selinski in London, that's where I got it from, thank you, mm -hmm. Tom, I said four. Am I right? Four. Four. You can do it in two. Two! Two! Madness! You can't two. do it in two! You divide the group into three sets of three. Three sets of three, okay, yes. You put one set of three on one side of the scales, one set of three on the others. Okay. If one falls down, yes. then the other one must have the fake coin in it. Yes. So that set of three... So the one that has... goes higher is lighter? Yep. Th th so now you know those other six are no longer... Sorry. Yeah, now the, one that's, the three that sank down mm -hmm. are real, mm -hmm. and the three that you haven't put on the scale are real. Yes. So you can grab those three, and you know one of those three coins is the fake one. Yes. If the scales don't go anywhere, if they're both equal, mm -hmm. then you know that both of them are filled with gold, so the other group of three coins that you didn't put on the scale are the ones where one of them is the fake coin. So we're down to three coins. Down In the first weighing, we're down to three coins instantly, yep. where two of them have to be gold and one of them is not gold. Indeed. Then you just yes. do the same thing again. You put one coin on the scale and yes. another coin on the scale. Mm -hmm. If uh, they drop, one side drops down. Then the other one is the fake coin. Yes. If they're both equal, then the one not on the scale is the fake coin. And that is the correct answer. And I must admit, I was very impressed that you worked it out so fast. Because I never worked it out. I said four. I am a dundead. Four. Four. I, didn't I can't believe you got four. No, that's shocking. I was Even, terrible. I mean, you... Yeah, what, I know. You, Tom Selinsky <laughs> is very intense. Right. <laughs> he was staring at me. He's clever. I got all flustered. 
He's very manly. What you do is you go down out of the castle, down to the alchemist guild, <laughs> and you ask them but, to run some chemical tests on them. But, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you're enjoying these Riddle Me This segment. Quite taken by them, actually. It's fun to get the audience thinking about things. If you have any of these riddles that you think might be useful in the podcast, uh, maybe send them in to greg at smartenoff.org, and I can upset Dan with them. Yeah, That'd be awesome. Don't send them to me. No, no. That will ruin it. <laughs> but Dan's quite clever. Now, he's better than me with these riddles, so I'd like to try to hit up Dan with more of these riddles in the future so, and you dear listener as well so as someone who's quite good at dealing with riddles they, uh, they'd probably be a little bit better at being like Batman no look, no no Dan no yeah, I think uh, I no. think out of the both of us I'm the more Batman-esque no no I think it means that you're more Edward Nigma-esque you're good at riddles Dan that makes no, you no, no, the no. riddler no 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 he, I'm good at setting riddles I can't I, I'm just good at working them out Damn it! Who works them out? Batman works them out! Damn it! Batman! I love it when scientists have other interests. So. Well, like, like religion? <laughs> yes. Like uh, homeopathy? Oh, stop. Like, stop. Ma- no, like don't. dream cat. I, I will punch I, you in the snoot. I, I like my chemistry, but he's a dream catcher, I won't. <laughs> but uh, Richard Feynman, who's one of my favourite scientists, he was really into bongos and drinking and hanging out in girly bars. But he was a bit of a dude. And, and the whole idea of scientists like, <laughs> I'm a scientist, is really, really irritating for me. And, and You'd rather that they were drunks. Well, I, I, as long as they're, they're, they're people. Scientists are people. Such as the uh, NASA lads or when uh, the landing of curiosity the guy with the stars shaved into his head with his mohawk so he had a mohawk so everyone's going to go scientists have white coats and, and this was young man with, with a really cool haircut and a star and everyone's like who the heck is that cool dude and that's what we need science needs to be it's a, it's a human endeavour humans do science because it's important so I really like this song that I found because he's a very very clever man and he's singing about the Higgs boson and I'm really impressed with this song and I hope you are too there's a collider under Geneva Reaching new energies that we've never achieved before Finally we can see with this machine A brand new data peak at 125 GeV See how gluons and vector bosons fuse Muons and gamma rays emerge from something new There's a collider under Geneva Making one particle that we've never seen before So A complex scalar elusive boson Escape detection by the Lepentevistron The complex scalar What is its purpose? It's got me thinking We could have Master 
So I'm still figuring out what this thing is. Wow. Wow. All, just, just, the whole thing was done by one man. One guy. Yes. He can sing. Yes. He knows science. I, and, and I'm saying I'm kind of up on what he was singing about there. Like, I know about the Higgs boson. I can talk about it on a, on a very layman's term. Maybe slightly above layman, but you know what I mean? Like, and I, I'm, if you go and look at those lyrics, you, if you understand yeah. everything he I, said... I, I, I actually <laughs> understood more of Informer by MC Snow than I did of that one. Yeah. <laughs> but he's able to write a song... Yes. He's beatboxing. Yes. Uh, that is his first video that he's ever done. Mm. And he's done it in his backyard using iMovie on a Mac. <laughs> in the old days, that had to be done with Adele. Are yeah, people going to get the joke? Well, it would have been better if you laughed, but you sort of... You don't, oh, I you, thought you were waiting but, for the end. No. For the... What? <laughs> I thought you were... Oh, I didn't, I, no, I, I wanted you to burst out in this oh, huge laughter, but unfortunately it was more of a just a, this, this right... Oh, I see what you did it's, there. It's a, but but at least some of the audience is out there just... They're laughing and laughing. It's rolling in the deep. It's rolling in the deep by Adele. It's apparently it's amazing. Uh, its name's Tim Blaine, and he's Acapella Science. Look up Acapella Science on YouTube. I've been all the way through that song, like about twelve seconds into that song, Mm. I came up with that joke, and all the entire time I'm figuring out how to word it, how to make it the best joke ever, and then you. You, you, you. It was you. very clever. Dan, it's not about you, it's about this very clever man. And, and in fact, he's a physicist and he can do music, and it's quite impressive indeed. So. He's a physicist? He's a physicist, a physics student. Mm. You, don't, you don't write a song like that and not. You didn't just go to Wikipedia? <laughs> no, or? no, that is way beyond right. just random knowledge. It's right. impressive. But definitely go and check it out on YouTube, check out the links, and support his YouTube channel, because it is pretty impressive that he can do all of that with his mouth! I'm Dan at smartenough.org. And I'm Greg at smartenough.org. And this has been episode 29 of Smart Enough to Know Better. If you would like to have a chat with other like-minded people, get onto the website and go into the forums where people are still talking occasionally. It's pretty cool. Sometimes they're not bots. <laughs> yeah. Get onto Twitter. We're SE2KB. We on certainly the are. And, of course, we should point out that we... 
Like us on Facebook. Like us, and, and also, we, always, we occasionally say this, I'm going to say it again, go on to iTunes, rate our podcast, and write a little review. The only reason we get found by people on iTunes is, is if people can see us. And why would they pick us when we're awesome, but they don't know that because we're buried deep under dross. Dross! So therefore, give us a little review, and that will push us further up the rankings, and that will be very useful to us, and we would thank you by going down and bending on one knee and just waving your hands around your head. Feel free to uh, retweet us, too. Yes. You just go, hey, I listen to this podcast and it's hilarious. That's right. It's something we already do. Thank you very much. So we were actually on a podcast, Science on Top, a Melbourne-based podcast, and Ed and Lucas were very nice to us, and they actually asked us to be co-hosts, co-hosts or... Cohorts. Cohorts, yeah. Experts is not the right word either. But we were on Science on Top, episode 71. Go and listen to us. Uh, They said we were the most surreal guests they've ever had. And I wasn't even on my game. (laughs) Now, this podcast is coming out three weeks before the Smart Enough Expo. Mm -hmm. There will be no more podcasts reminding you that it's on. So make sure that you're on the Twitter and the Facebooks so to be reminded, or put it in your calendar. Sunday, the 7th of October, 10am in the morning, Yoronga Park. Check the website for more details. Bring along 10 bucks to to have a nice lunch and do barefoot bowls in the afternoon, and then a little bit extra if you want to drink alcohol or soft or drinks. But it doesn't cost anything and, uh, to come to the expo, by no, the way. free expo. We're not, we're not taking any money from this. We just want to see your beautiful faces. And hopefully just make it all back on T-shirts. <laughs> I just want to bleed you suckers dry. And you'll go away with these T-shirts going, oh, look at me. And I'll just be r- riffling through my money going, this almost pays for the print cost. <laughs> the perfect scare. You do it really big today. It's really odd. My brain's going, Dan's huge. Is he very big and far away, or is he just slightly big and close up? It's that time of month. I'm bloating. <laughs> Vertical bloating. I'm, I'm bloating on the soles of my feet. <laughs> it's like walking on custard. Oh, oh. oh blood custard. Yeah, I've never bought like a brand new state-of-the-art yeah. phone before, oh, okay. and, to, and and finally I'm just like, I, like I love this one so much. I'm like, I'm getting a good one with oh, a proper camera and a and a compass and uh, a and a protractor and a protractor and a, and a, and a, and a the pull-out tape. Yeah, yeah. measure distances. I still got to shovel coal into this one. <laughs> and the more I read about it, it's incremental, and there's nothing wrong. They're, yeah. they're big increments. Don't get me wrong. And I'm three increments behind. You are. You are. That's, you're, that's, you're, an, that's an excrement. I think. <laughs> people do bitching about it online i was reading and and i was thinking what do you want it's a phone that's also a computer it's the internet in your pocket for god's sake that's that's it's all of human knowledge it's right there all the time um, what's his name um the the guy who told everyone hawking no the guy stephen hawking no 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 the guy who told everyone to pay five bucks for his comedy and and he got rid of you know stephen um, hawking no no um um, ck lewis ck lewis thank you louis ck louis ck that's what i've seen records ck lewis is an underpant and uh or or maybe the guy who wrote narnia um (laughs) people can bitch about how it's awful flying in in an airplane across the country kind of i'm on a chair in the sky yeah yeah yeah. i always do that i always remind myself it's It's amazing it is pretty amazing but that's the thing with the phone people are like mm, but so you can't can... have the internet in your pocket up there not yet it's coming soon very soon but it's a whole thing you've got the internet in your pocket and you can, and you can phone someone on it too as a side note what I, I really don't... yeah oh, that's pretty good well maybe not with yours i don't know whether i'd ever use that <laughs> 
Cool. I've just got a hotkey for emails. Like, just <laughs> Control-Alt-F, and then boom, an entire email just full of swear words, and then post. <laughs> you are a click A, B, C, or D. It's like Mad Libs, but fucking incensed libs. Because <laughs> I've read about the Demodex. Yes. So I was just reading up on them. Going, I know what those are. I need to know more about them. Oh, I need to go less. I need to know less about them. Hang on, let me just, we probably should actually say exactly which one we're in. Sorry. Well, it'll just be in the link dump. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Just yeah, put it in the link dump. Uh, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, Putting it in the link dump. I'm trying to do it properly. No, I'm just going to talk over you when you do it. I'm just going to talk over you. <laughs> Don't be a bitch, Dan.